I've been directly involved in the launch of over a dozen multi-site campuses through the churches I've led, and half of them have been in movie theaters. I'm convinced that every church leader should consider using a theater for your next campus or church plant. They're flexible, culturally relevant locations, typically in the center of the community that you're trying to reach. Regal is the only theater company with a dedicated team of full-time consultants ready to help your church launch and succeed in a movie theater. Check out Regal Theater Church church.com for more information on locations your church could use. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich. Uh, so glad that you've decided to join us today. Uh, we, you're going to be rewarded for that. We've got a great interview lined up today with Barnabas Piper. He's with... Uh, his day job is with Lifeway uh, Leadership. You might have known him from uh, you know, the various places that he is online. He's an author, speaker. Uh, he's written a bunch of books, three books, uh, and we're going to talk about one of those today. Barnabas, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on with you. Yeah, I know. I really appreciate that you're uh, that you're here. So um, what I'd love to do is for people you to give people kind of the Barnabas story. Who is Barnabas in, you know, 30 seconds, <laughs> you know, which is always hard, hard to do. And then we'll uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about the questions at hand today. Right. Well, the, yeah, the what what people will probably want to hear in that is that uh, John Piper is my dad. That's mm. that sort of sets the stage. So uh, the first book I wrote was about being a pastor's kid, kind of mm. springboarding off of some of that. Mm. Um, so I grew up obviously in a pastor's home. He retired from the pastorate when I was 30. So that was very formative in my my uh, growing up years as a Christian, very much in the church world. Um Went to Christian college, got into Christian publishing. So that's been that's been the world that I live in, um, and have tried to become a kind of an objective observer of Christian culture and church mm-hmm. trends and things like that. Not a researcher, but just sort of a an observer of of how people how people experience faith and how church mm-hmm. works and how church doesn't work and sort of some of the idiosyncrasies of things, which, so one of the things I do on the side is I host a podcast called the happy rant and we like to poke fun at things that the church <laughs> does, uh, but in a good spirited way, sort of like mm-hmm. laughing with them, not at them, uh, sort of spirit of things. Um, like nice. you said, I work at Lifeway and, uh, really enjoy the opportunity to work alongside churches. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as opposed to working directly for them, which is something Having been in the church my whole life, I don't know that I'd fit very well, but uh, <laughs> but I really enjoy working for the good of the church in some mm. capacity. So that's the aim of the things that I write online, um, the podcasts that I do, the the books that I write. Um, I have two kids. I live in the Nashville area. I am and I have a semi addiction to Minnesota sports, <laughs> which is which leads me to a semi depressive state sometimes. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, love nice. reading, love love hiking, just sort of that's a few things about me. I hope nice. that gives some sense. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So uh, for folks that listen in um, on the podcast, you'll know I don't often have authors on. I, I don't because if if I said okay, we're going to just have authors on, we could do fifty episodes a year just on that. Um, and so, and, and you would be flooded with requests from publicists. Yes, exactly. And so, but I, I really, uh, I think Barnabas is a great guy. I was had a chance to uh, be a part of your. Um, 
pipeline conference last fall, mm -hmm. which is amazing. People should check that out for this coming year. You're doing it again. Um, yep, it, doing it in October. Yeah, it's a fantastic, uh, a fantastic event. And so I, I would strongly recommend that. And, you know, you talked about the happy rant. Five leadership questions is one of the best podcasts out there. So which is another one that Barnabas is on. So I appreciate that. But let's let's jump into the curious Christian. How discovering wonder enriches every part of life. Why did you write this book? Uh, it it came from a few places. So the book that I wrote before was about faith and doubt and questions. And when you spend enough time asking questions and thinking questions, it just sort of, it, you either find all the answers you're looking for or it sort of <laughs> snowballs. And the right. thing that I, that I realized was um, people don't know how to think about questions. Mm. And, I don't, and I don't say this as somebody who has had this sort of enlightened genius moment and here I am to, <laughs> to fill, you know, I've got all the answers. Right. But really just trying to help people think about, think about thinking and think about questions mm. because mm. I, my observation is that Christians just sort of muddle through life a lot of times and miss, they miss the beauty in the world. They mm -hmm. they miss opportunities to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. They we lack the resources to to cross cultures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having invested in you mentioned the five leadership questions podcast. It's a theme that comes up repeatedly when we mm -hmm. talk to guests on there when they talk about how they thrive as a leader and how curiosity is essential in that because otherwise they just sort of dry up and wither. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for the soul. I think that's true for relationships. I think it's true for the church. I think, mm -hmm. I think the church needs to be a more curious place. And I think, I think it's ultimately true for our relationship with God because mm -hmm. just fundamentally speaking, if we are finite beings who worship an infinite God, that means we have endless opportunities for discovery. Mm -hmm. And so without curiosity, we are, we're wasting our opportunities and in some senses we'll waste eternity mm -hmm. because because we we will have we'll have endless opportunities to engage God that way mm -hmm. and that's that's a remarkable thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, even at the core of this podcast, we're trying to expose people to a wide variety of church leaders. And a part of that is, to, or I'm hoping, will stir conversation, will stir, uh, you know, curiosity. There are mm -hmm. more than just, sometimes I think in the, what would you call it, the church industrial complex, <laughs> we get this impression that there are like, five name brand churches in mm -hmm. the country and it's like that's the way ministry has to be done uh, but the thing i love that you're pushing here is to think hmm, we need to be thinking about things a little bit differently not be as kind of narrow-minded in our engagement right. with the way we, yeah uh with we lead the way we lead um what how what would you encouragement would you give to someone who's listening in and say yes i do want to so i get that i want to mm -hmm. you know expand my horizons want to maybe think with a bit more curiosity what, what should i be doing uh to to ultimately uh, engage more curiosity in my life. Well, I think that's a that's a hard question to answer in sort of a short list because yep. because curiosity is a really nebulous thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that also is is why it's accessible because mm. it it can be very overwhelming if you try to get your head around it all at once. I had that experience just in trying to write about it. It's um, where do you start? Right. And I I think I think the starting place is as close to home as possible mm. because in thinking concentric circles. So there's in terms of who are you closest to? What are you most interested in? So the things that you're already interested in, so leadership, theology, ministry, um, social justice issues, mm -hmm. your neighbors, literally start close to home. Like what's on your bookshelf right now? Mm -hmm. What is, what, what uh, documentary is in your Netflix queue? Mm -hmm. um, who lives next door? Those kinds of things. And, and curiosity in those ways becomes just asking 
what don't I know about this? Mm. Like, what else is there? Mm. There's always the question of what else is there? And then as you expand out from there, you the concepts get bigger, the connections get bigger, but the coolest thing about curiosity is the, is the connections that it creates. Mm. So anytime you ask a good question, it leads to another idea or another level of depth in a relationship or another thing that you've learned. And then you ask questions about that and it and it becomes this web of connections between people and ideas and that's that's the richness of it. Mm -hmm. How in your own life, I would assume, you know, a part of what you do, your day job is um, you know, helping churches think through how to, you know, develop leaders better. You know, you're constantly trying to, you know, help churches think about, um, you know, ministry in a different way or in a more effective way. How have you found that even just that exploration, um, how has that benefited in, in your, you know, your approach to your work and ministry? Well, I think it, I think it expands, expands the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? the number of options on how to solve problems, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we in the church tend to to have sort of we get stuck in ruts. Mm -hmm. This is this is how we have done things, you know, and mm -hmm. that's a that's a real quick way for a ministry to die. Uh, <laughs> exactly. this, that's how we've always done it. Yeah. Um but then also we sort of look at it and go, well here's here's three options on how to solve things. We sort of look at existing mm -hmm. models. Mm -hmm. Well we could do it like that church or like this church or like this book. Mm -hmm. And and I just look at it and go, but why are those the only options? That's a right. false choice. Right. Like what what opportunities exist that that haven't been explored or what resources churches have resources they've never considered mm -hmm. um, in terms of in terms of people mm -hmm. the gifts of the people in the church mm -hmm. the people who who have this itch to serve but they don't even know how to get involved and so as a leader what curiosity leads you to tap into that and right. to discover it and to find it and so it's a i think it just it, it blows through with a with fresh air to kind of push all the stale air out mm -hmm. and and create a bit of a blank slate not not in terms of oh we're starting at zero we're gonna start from the ground up but just in a you know there are more options than we've considered there's more opportunities than we've considered mm -hmm. we've God has blessed us with people and gifts and resources that we've never considered mm -hmm. and I think that and curiosity also keeps people humble right. because it's a it's a constant acknowledgement of well, I don't know right <laughs> I don't but I don't and so and if that's the case I mean then that that's a vital trait for leaders yeah absolutely uh, you know talking about the kind of opposite of curiosity why do you think the idea of um, we've always done it this way is such a powerful you know thing that we're drawn to mm -hmm. as as leaders one of the things I've been thinking about recently is. Um, you know, I, so I'm in my forties, 40 something leader, um, you know, have been involved in a lot of innovative ministry over the years. And I see my friends churches stuck, um, and they are doing, they're, they're doing innovative ministry from 15 years ago. They're literally right. doing it the same. And they, they <laughs> yeah. came in, in fact, they talk about change. They're excited about change. They're like, no, we have to change the church. But then actually, when you look at what's happening, they're not moving forward. Why is it that that idea of this is the way we've always done it here is such a powerful idea to leaders? I think the real short answer is that ideas are fun and mm. leadership is hard. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, it's, it's so easy to sit around you know, a conference room or be at a conference or a coffee shop or whatever and have 15 ideas, man, what if we could? That what if right. question, that big, big horizons looking out there. But then you get back and 
you've got nine emails from unhappy people or, you know, a budget question, or like just the, the grind of daily work. Mm-hmm. Change in that context is way harder than ideas. Right. right. But I think I think in the church there's another aspect, and that is depending on the church tradition, mm-hmm. change can feel like a slippery slope. Mm. If we give something up, are we giving up something that's godly oh, that's or moral? Mm-hmm. And and you know, you talked about things that worked fifteen years ago don't work mm-hmm. anymore. I think there are people who are tied to sort of the um emotional and spiritual impact of those things you know Mm. that ministry changed my life when i was in college so i'm still attached to it but that ministry is completely hokey now right right but that doesn't change the effectiveness of it 15 years ago Mm. it just means we need to find we need to carry the effectiveness forward not the methodology forward or not the the structure of it and that's a thing that that but they're tied in people's minds, I think, specifically mm. in the church. Mm. Yeah, and I, I wonder too if um, when we're you know communicating to people um, that we we over spiritualize our leadership decisions, and so we all, we create this problem. So we talk about well, we're going to be doing this, and you know we and instead of just saying like, hey, this is what we're doing for this next season, you know, we're going to try these few things. It becomes like we believe that God is leading us to do this. Right. Which which sets up in people's heads, um, okay, well then that we must always go that way. Then you know it's a, it's a false conflation between you know between those two. You know I wonder if that ultimately then closes off um, you know ideas. Mm-hmm. What would you think when you wrote this book? Who were you really targeting at? It strikes to me now this could be wrong that this um, is an even broader kind of uh, a broader market book than that you're trying to reach out to, not mm-hmm. just specifically church leaders or even leaders particularly. Um, it, you know you, this could be easily used as a resource with. People People, you know, in, in, in broader context. You know, it's funny when I, that's the same question every publisher asks when yeah. you're pitching a book to them is, you know, who is this for? Yeah. And I have a hard time answering that question because <laughs> the answer is whoever's interested in it. But yeah. that, that, that does, that's not a very satisfactory answer. Um, it is, it is people who genuinely, like, there, there is a, a daily drive to engage Christianity better. So mm-hmm. hungry. Mm-hmm. Christians. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it. I, I write it in such a way that I hope a stay-at-home mom reads this and goes, oh, this this helps me engage my kids better. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a 20-something uh, fresh out of college who's sort of figuring out their, their work world can look at this and do the same thing. And uh, a church leader, and because it's, because it does, I do try to point it in different directions because it starts with the concept of, of curiosity mm-hmm. and engaging God and engaging truth. Mm-hmm. Because I, 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 my thought in that is that curiosity Godly curiosity is the pursuit of truth in mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in your engaging art, culture, people, whatever. Mm-hmm. And truth is reality as God intends it to be. So mm-hmm. not just what exists now, but the thing that God intends to be real. So mm-hmm. God's will ultimately, but but I wanted to kind of put flesh on that. And so that can be applied anywhere. That mm-hmm. can be applied over a cup of coffee. That can be applied in making a cup of coffee. Okay. You know, if you know for for the barista, it's just it is the person who wants to figure out what how to do these things. And and I, I really want it to be for the person who wants and needs permission mm-hmm. to explore God's world and his word 
in a fresh and and uh, broader way. Mm-hmm. Have you found in your own life that? Um you know, you talk about, you know, concentric circles kind of starting where you are, being curious mm-hmm. about those things that are closest to you, but then, you know, ultimately going out from there. Have you found that um, in your own life that actually getting outside of the norm of your normal, um, you know, has that been a positive part of, you know, generating curiosity or cultivating curiosity in your life? Well, yeah, because it has one of two effects. Mm-hmm. It either it either makes you it either opens the eyes to all of the things in the world you don't know anything about. So talking to to refugee neighbors. I mean, I grew up in Minneapolis and during the time I was growing up, thousands, tens of thousands of Somalis were were uh, fleeing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they ended up in the frozen north. Right. Something about that. But there's a it's it's not just a thriving community. I mean, it's a it's a city sized population of people now right. who who have a culture mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. And I played basketball with them, and I it was neighbors with them, and went to school with them, and and so that that pushed me in one of two directions. There's either sort of a rigidity that mm-hmm. rejects them, mm-hmm. sort of that that inherent human bigotry that stems from fear of the different, mm-hmm. or there's the the recognition that wow, God has created people who have experiences and cultures and languages that are so far outside my own, that is, that is a beautiful opportunity mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to know them, to understand them, or to, to see God's fingerprints mm-hmm. in that culture. And so, yeah, it absolutely is a, an expansiveness. And I mean, growing up in the city was the same thing, that the multiculturalism, the different income levels, the, I mean, music styles, like the music that my my suburban white peers listen to is not the same music that I love. You know, I'm right. not a big like Wilco and Radiohead fan. Sorry, right. everybody. You know, I'm like, give me Bill Withers and Tupac and jazz. Like that's, mm-hmm. it, and that's just, but even that kind of speaks to the curiosity of engaging the things of, of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think getting outside of the, so the, the concentric circle starting point is the on-ramp, mm-hmm. but it's not the stopping place. Right. Because otherwise, you're not really curious. You've tapped out. Right. Very good. And I and I know even in, um, you know, obviously this podcast is targeted at, and it's a lot of church leaders. I know just a even practical thing. Or we can become one of the disturbing trends I've seen in my own world is we be, have become more and more siloed as um, evangelicals. That the kind of evangelical camp is becoming. You know, even within our broad circle, you know, it's become yeah. more and more. It's like, you know, I would never go to, you know, you know, insert whatever. Like I'm a, a you know, an attractional church person. I would never go to a, a reformed, you know, conference because <laughs> right, like right. those people, they don't they don't really want to reach people. And then vice versa, right. reformed people would be like, yeah, but those people, they're not proclaiming the word of God. And and, you know, that it's it's sad because ultimately what ends up happening is you limit your you know, your own ability to stretch and grow and be like, hey, maybe there is something, you know, broader mm-hmm. than than just uh, our own little circle. Well, this is great. And where, where can people pick up Cur- The Curious Christian? I'm assuming at Amazon uh, yeah. and at Lifeway Books. Uh, yeah. Know, so, yeah, places? you can go to Amazon.com, you can go to Lifeway.com, you can go to BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, if you... If they go to curiouschristianbook.com, mm-hmm. you can you can read a little bit more about the book. 
Uh, there's also a little, there's sort of a, a fun little quiz about how curious are you there. So sort of one of those assessments. It's like seven questions long, so it won't yes. take long. It just sort of gives you a, an answer of what kind of curiosity you have or in some cases don't have. Nice. Um, so curiouschristianbook.com is a great place to go to. Nice, because everybody loves a test. So, you know, that's a everybody, Well, everybody loves to, to find out more about themselves. Like yes. that's the first thing we're curious about is, ooh, I like thinking about me. So yes, go, go do that. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump in the lightning round, that part of the, the, the show where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the show today. We've got Barnabas Piper with us. Uh, so glad to have you. These are not quite the five questions that you guys ask, but right. uh, similar. Uh, what's an online resource that you're using these days, Barnabas, that's helping you in your ministry and work? Um, well, on the work side of things, uh, we, we work in the Google environment and yep. the collaborative ability of like Google Sheets, Google Forms, Google Docs, all of that. Uh, I actually just recently switched positions at work. And so the ability to handle that transition by sharing things that way, it's so easy. Uh, and then on the personal side, I use Downcast to, okay. to organize and listen to podcasts and uh, avid podcast listener, always looking for new good options. And so it's I started using it because Apple's podcast app was terrible when they first launched it, and I've stuck with it and love the interface. So Downcast is uh, is sort of one of my personal go-to uh, apps. Very good. Well, uh, this this next question, I'm interested to know. Uh, what's a a book that you've read in the last six months to a year that's shaping your ministry and thinking? For a guy that works for a publisher, this will mm -hmm. be an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, there two come to mind. The first is. Um, is Team of Rivals. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a new book, but Doris Kearns Goodwin, historian, and it's about Lincoln, uh, the rise of Lincoln to the presidency and then the formation of his cabinet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know that I've ever read a book that had so many leadership lessons mm. ra uh, wrapped up just in in history and stories. Mm. Goodwin is an incredibly detailed historian. I mean, it's a, it's a labor of love to read that book. It's, right. it's substantial. Yeah. But uh, especially with today's political climate, mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it is an evergreen, timeless book in terms of leading across party lines, Lincoln's humility as a leader, his constant desire to understand people and to learn. I mean, he was an insatiably curious person. He, he read poetry. He read mm -hmm. all these things. So that's one. The other one is a much shorter book. It's called Strong and Weak mm -hmm. by Andy Crouch. Mm -hmm. uh, Crouch is one of my favorite thinkers mm -hmm. because he, he perpetually sets up paradigms mm. that help me understand truth and God and the world better. And this is a look at at power and weakness and how mm. the two, both of them are essential in the Christian life, but mm. how both get get abused in the world. It's maybe 150 pages long. Mm. It's a it's a it's a quick read, but so much packed in there. So mm. team of rivals and uh, strong and weak by nice. Andy Crouch are both phenomenal. Um, what's another ministry that you're looking to these days that inspires you? You know, in the in the world that I've that I've worked in in this this church leadership space, mm -hmm. uh, big churches kind of rule the day. Mm -hmm. But I've become more and more interested in how small churches are doing things, right. uh, whether it's rural churches or uh, I just recently started going to a church of maybe two or three hundred people in East Nashville, and mm -hmm. there's just a different kind of life in a small church. Right. Um, it's it's very attractive to me as mm -hmm. in terms of community and things like that, but mm -hmm. just. The leadership structures are different. The opportunities are different. The ability to connect with the community is different. Mm -hmm. So small churches in general, um, and I think I think it's also taught me a lot about what is healthy in church. Mm. We we associate church health with church size, mm -hmm. and I've just seen that that's just that's it's a false metric. Right. Um, 
because I've been at large churches that are pretty cancerous and mm. uh, have been at small churches that are just vibrant. Right. And and so that's that that just sort of pool of churches is one that I constantly look to these days. Cool. Very cool. If you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, who would you want to get that with and why? Oh, man, you sent this one in advance. And that was the one that I did chew on for the longest. I think I think I would want 15 minutes with Barack Obama. OK, nice. Very cool. Um, because. Uh, setting aside political things, mm-hmm. just as 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 the first black president, mm-hmm. uh, and then as somebody who, especially as I noticed it more in his second term, just the rise of the of the visibility of how he treated his family publicly. Mm, so true. He seemed so. Um, he seemed so respectful, so honoring. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he genuinely loves his wife. Right. Or I mean, that's that's the appearance. But then also all of the political challenges Mm -hmm. working across party lines. I mean, he just I want to know what it was like to be him Mm -hmm. in in the office of president as a black man Mm -hmm. with with the political climate that it is, Mm -hmm. uh, because regardless of whether you agree with him or disagree with him, he certainly seems like a an honorable, respectable person who, who navigated that seemingly really well Mm -hmm. absolutely for sure yeah and i I think they the word on the street was that he you know part of um his way he managed and led was that he um you know he was at home in the evenings you know with his family um maybe even to the detriment of his leadership which is interesting um but that story doesn't get told much he seems to really ultimately you know you're right had seemed to be you know in love with his, his wife and kids which is amazing well, I know uh, leading in your organization's got to be really exhausting at times in your own personal life. What do you do just for fun to kind of kick back, relax, uh, you know, and have a good time? Yeah, it's it's books, sports, and outdoors. Those are my uh, – so I, I used to play sports, and now I have creaky knees and, and an achy back. So now I watch them and live vicariously through yep. uh, actual athletes. Yep. Um, and then reading, I'm usually reading four or five books at once because yep. I never know what I'm going to be in the mood for. So try to mix it up. Fiction, history, leadership, theology, or, or Christian, something spiritual formation oriented. Um, and then living in Tennessee provides all sorts of opportunities for, you know, great hiking trails and things like that. So getting out and that's it. That is one of the best ways to just sort of clear my head. And uh, it's it, whether it's prayer or like listening to a podcast while I hike, just coming away feeling pretty refreshed from that. So those are three things I just sort of constantly do and trying to include my kids in those things as well. So getting them to watch basketball with me or taking them to baseball games or getting outside and doing things, those kinds of things. Very cool. Well, that's great. If people want to get in touch with you or about the book, thecuriouschristianbook.com is the way, any other way they can get in touch with you? Uh, Twitter and Facebook. So I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com slash bpiper, or you can find me at Barnabas Piper on Twitter. That is probably where I'm most accessible and most responsive. So either one, though. Great. Thanks so much, Barnabas. Appreciate being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.